Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. Why don't you turn your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 2, starting from verse 13. Anyone make it to uh, Noosa midnight, 9pm last night? How good is it that midnight in Noosa is 9? Such a blessing for me, it was about 8.30. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 to 23, we're going to read from this morning. Now, when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring your word, bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Out of Egypt, I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry and sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard of Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. This is how precious your salvation is. God sent his son to be born. And from day one, that life was, a, was under threat. It was vulnerable. Jesus, the saviour of the world, was vulnerable as a child that he had to be hidden until, until Herod had passed on and he'd handed on the, on the rule of, of the land to, to his son. It was so precious and such, such a, your salvation like Jesus is such a threat to the enemy that Herod asked for the death of every Jewish child from two years and under to be killed. Can you fathom that concept even happening anywhere in the world? We've just celebrated Christmas and here we are a week later, you know, realising the threat of, of Christ being deposited in humanity. What I want to say to you this morning is that your salvation like Jesus is precious and must be protected. See, we walk this life and we walk a life that where, where we're vulnerable and your salvation, your peace, your hope is a threat to the work of the enemy. So you need to protect it. 
Sometimes you need to hide yourself for a season and, and strengthen yourself. Jesus was strengthened in Egypt away from, away from Jerusalem until that, until that, or away from Israel until that time when he needed to go back and enter into his vocation, which was to liberate you and I. The Lord wants to remind us this year, I believe, to protect our hearts, to protect our salvation, to, to look after ourselves because, because there's seasons of life where we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable to the things of the world. We're vulnerable to those. To the, and, and part of the world is you. Part of the world is my own selfishness that I'm vulnerable to. We know from the Garden of Eden all the way through Till now that the Lord has an enemy. And the enemy's aim is not, is not that you would misbehave. The enemy's aim is not that you would, you know, say the Lord's name in vain. The enemy's his aim is not that you would, you know, that you would misbehave, that you would break the law, that you would do all these things. The enemy's aim is that you would not overcome the things that hold you back. You know, in a great story, the good guy, the hero, is never nearly in the beginning who they are at the end. They never nearly the, have, they never nearly have the stature and the confidence and the bravado and the, and the grace that they have in the end after they've overcome. The more spectacular the potential of the hero, the more they overcome. Why is that? Because the conflict, it shapes us. Conflict in life shapes us and the Lord has declared us overcomers and each of us has to overcome something in life and the, the majority of the time it's something in ourselves. It's buying into an identity that the world gives us. When someone says, you are this, you've got to overcome the declarations of our humanity and embrace the identity of our eternity. Contradictions, adversities, setbacks, obstacles, these we must overcome in life. You see, greatness, I believe, is not measured by our talent or by our skill or our capacity to do what we do, by our, what we can do in life, our capacity. Our, our greatness is defined by what we overcome. We are a people formed by the Word of God. Let there be man. Let there be woman. Let there be Elias Malachi. Let there be a Josh. What's your name? I was nearly Moses, my parents tell me. So my legacy was either going to be I was going to get them out of Egypt or I was going to get them into the promised land. Looks like we're going to the promised land. So. Anyone Moses? Any Moses is out there? Such a great name. Would have been proud to be Moses. Pastor Moses? Sensational. You see, walking by faith, I believe, is embracing what's uniquely yours as a believer. It's being yourself. God called you, what? To be you. When He created you, He created you to be you. When He created a tree, He created a tree to be a tree. How does a tree glorify God? By growing into a big, beautiful, strong tree. God doesn't want you to become somebody else. He wants you to become you. He wants you to become you. I love in Psalm 103, 20, it says, angels attend to the word of the Lord 
angel, when the, you know, when when the Lord, you know, speaks to a parent and 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 the and the parent names their child and they say, let's call our child Elias Malachi. Angels attend to the word of the Lord, to that life that he may become all he's called to become. I think what happens in life though is life can dull our perception of the unique nature and character of God who we are in covenant with. You are in covenant with God. And God is not, you know, he, God is not a, a, you know, a God of, of liturgy and scripture. His nature and character is to overcome. His nature and character is to create new things. His nature and character is to speak life. His nature and character is to lay his life down so that someone else can be free. This is, the, this is the God that we are in covenant with. And sometimes we forget. And you know you've forgotten when you start buying into your mistakes of your yesterday. And what do you do? Like we prayed before the service, you lose the joy of your salvation. And God doesn't want you to lose the joy. Because his joy is our strength. You were not created by accident. You were created by design for this time, to be, to be in this place for His purposes and for His glory. That's my prayer for the year. Lord, give me fresh eyes to see how I can serve Your will this year and not serve it in a manner that, is, that has no joy in it. Serve it in a manner that's full of your joy. I had uh, I missed our carols a couple of a uh, couple of Sunday nights ago. I heard it was okay. They run do a good job. Bo do okay first carols. You know Bo's preached two or three times in our church and he's um, run the carols. I've never seen him do anything. And uh, that's confidence, isn't it? I had COVID. I had a fever for four days straight, and uh, it was it was rough. And you know. And it's so easy when you're down, isn't it, to, to say, woe is me, you know, and to start thinking, I'm sitting there in fever going, Lord, oh, maybe this is a sign, you know what I mean, that I shouldn't be running the church anymore, that I can, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we, can, we, we buy into our own demise, don't we, based on what we experience. And here's the thing, the number one tension, tendency you must have, I believe, to stay in the game of life, to stay in your vocation with God, is the ability to step out of your feelings at any moment. Step out of your feelings at any moment and make a decision to keep going regardless of what's going on around you. There's going to be stuff going on around you for the rest of your life. You step over this hurdle, you step into the next hurdle. So we need our joy to not be established by our circumstance. We need it to be established by something eternal, the joy in our salvation not the joy in our individual success in this moment. God wants to give us a fresh tendency to step outside of our feelings and embrace His eternal joy. You see, the Lord, unlike the enemy, He wants you to overcome. If you get the chance, why don't you read, read, I think it's the second and third chapter of Revelation. And the Lord's speaking to the seven churches Um, and 
to each of the churches, he, he says something. And then at the end, he says, and to those who overcome, then this will happen. This, these are the overcome. To him who overcomes, I'll give to eat from the tree of life. To him who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. To him who overcomes, I'll give some of the hidden manna to eat. To he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. He who overcomes will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. The Lord wants you to overcome. And there's a reward when we overcome. The reward's not a natural reward. It's a spiritual reward. The problem is before the overcoming, he, he, he points something out to these churches. He says, oh, by the way, you know, uh, this church here, you know, your church is pretty much loveless. Your church is persecuted. Your church is compromising. Your church is corrupt. One church is dead. Another one's lukewarm. I think there's one faithful church in there. You see, a lot of times we've got to overcome something that's within ourselves. Sometimes we get caught in the compromise. We're trying to, sometimes we, we spend so much of our life as a church trying to fit in and not enough time trying to pursue Him. We can spend so much of our time trying to be relevant And disconnect from being in relationship with our Heavenly Father. God wants you to be an overcomer. He wants you to overcome those things that hold you back. And I love, uh, I think Daniel is such a great example of that. And we read in, you know, Daniel chapter 1, where the people of God, they're taken captive by Babylon and, and King Nebuchadnezzar. The king took some of the children of Israel into his palace to be taught the language and the culture. Of Babylon, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. But here's Daniel in chapter, chapter 1 of Daniel in verse 8. It says this, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies nor with the wine which he drank. God gave Daniel knowledge skill in all literature and wisdom and he also had understanding in all visions and dreams but he was defined he, he was liberated by what he didn't do not by what he did he could do see at the end of the time the king interviewed them and among them none was found like Daniel so he served the king see the key for Daniel was the belief that no circumstance was going to define him and one of the, the battles that we face is the thing that, that we need to overcome a lot of the time is in us. Daniel knew that, that the delicacies of Babylon were amazing. But they weren't eternally amazing. They were momentarily amazing. God wants us to fall in love with eternally amazing things, not momentarily amazing. And when we do that, we get to walk a different adventure. We get to walk a different journey. You see, we live in a society that's always offering us its delicacies. It's phenomenal, the delicacies that are around, the entertainment that, you know, streaming, streaming television. You can watch a whole series in a, in a day. You know, anyone watch, binge watch the whole series of, of, um, of, of, a, of a TV series in, in a day or two? Anyone else want to be honest? 
I've got Fox Sport and I could watch sport 24-7. I just love when Australia destroys any other country at anything. This brings me joy. Especially if it's New Zealand or the Americans or the English or the South Africans. <laughs> Pretty much anyone actually. Except for the Italians, obviously. See, like Daniel, we can purpose in our heart to live a different way. Not only did Daniel survive Babylon, a lot of times we're just trying to survive earth, aren't we? We're trying to survive uh, all of the things that are around us, the, you know, the things that, that, that stir us up to go, wow, I wouldn't mind some of that. Oh, I'd need a holiday home there. I need to go over there. I need to do this. I need to eat dinner there. I need to watch that show. You know, I need to do this. We get caught in all this space and we sometimes are trying to survive it. But Daniel didn't just survive Babylon, he influenced it. And he didn't just influence, he was the most influential person in Babylon. The Lord wants you to purpose in your heart to overcome the places that hold you. See, we all have challenges in life to overcome. Some of them are, are practical. They're family, they're sickness, they're money, they're relationships. They're, you know, they're, 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 sometimes it's your talent. Sometimes it's something internal. It's the way that you respond to things. You know, the tendency to feel rejected, the tendency to embrace an identity of someone else's declaration on you. Sometimes they're just the you know, tendency to be, to, to be anxious. You know, the tendency to, to, to do this or that or define yourself by something in the natural. God wants you to walk in a new liberty, an eternal liberty. So the first thing we need to do is purpose in our hearts to overcome. You can't just overcome something. You can't just overcome anxiety. You know, I cannot overcome claustrophobia. You know what I mean? And I've decided not to purpose in my heart to overcome that because there's, there's other issues that are, that are more important first. You see, we don't overcome by fighting the problem, but by committing to greater things. And in the end, your commitments will define you. By committing to eternal decisions, your identity becomes eternal. And your identity goes from the raw stuff it is today, from being the plumber, from being the doctor, the accountant, to a well-formed identity. You become a spiritual brother spiritual sister, a mother, a father. These great identities that, that are a reflection. As we gaze, what does it say in Corinthians? As we gaze upon Him as in a mirror, we go from glory to glory. We start reflecting eternal identities. We start showing people what it means to be a spiritual father and mother and brother and sister. This is the strength of the church. We don't want to be defined by our talent. We want to be defined by, by who God is in our lives and our love what for one another. See the great James Butler sitting here on his very last Sunday in Noosa. 20 years of hard labour in church here. But what are you going to remember Jamie for? You're not going to remember him for his guitar solo. Some of you might, when, you know. You're going to remember him because he's, he's the most loved person in the church. Would you agree? 
was chatting to Hans the other day and we were talking about, about Federer. We said, everyone loves Federer, the tennis player, you know, and, and, and Hans' next comment was, it's like Jamie, everybody loves him. <laughs> what are we going to do when Jamie's gone? Who are we all going to love? We've got to find someone else to love now. How could he abandon us with all that love and all that federal, you know, all that greatness? Maybe it's you. You see, at some point, Jamie bought into the, the reality that strumming that guitar and singing those songs wasn't his vocation. His vocation was to love one another. His commitment was to love people. God wants to invite you into a greater commitment today. He wants to take you past your business. He wants to take you past your earthly uh, finances and, and your, your talent and your, your skill and all those things. He wants to take you into an eternal thing. An eternal commitment that's going to not only define you, but define His church in a new way. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. By what? By your love for one another. You see, we want to go from trying to fit in to a place of full pursuit of God. But we need fresh eyes to do that. And the problem is we're so busy trying to overcome something by defeating it. We're trying to defeat sin. Sin's already been defeated, but the only way you can defeat it is to pursue the person who defeated it. You, can't, you cannot defeat sin yourself. That's not your job. Who knows it's an impossible job. But what you can do is pursue with all of your heart the King of all kings who did defeat sin. You see, it's only when you choose to purpose in your heart to set your life apart for God that you get to live in that great promised adventure that God speaks about throughout Scripture. God doesn't want you to miss out on a great life with Him. And sometimes in your mind, your effort is you're trying to be what you think a Christian should be. Don't try to be what you think a Christian should be. Try to pursue the King of all kings. Get to know His Word. Get to know what He sounds like. Look at what Jesus did. Who did He spend time with? How did He do it? Where was He? A lot of times we think that, you know, we, we, we want to access all the gifts of God, but we don't want to walk the journey that Jesus walked. Sometimes, where was Jesus? He wasn't in places that you want to be. If you're with Jesus, where was Jesus? Well, sometimes He's having dinner with a tax collector or a prostitute or a, you know what I mean? Or He's... he's finds himself alone with a woman at well. He's, you know, where is he? Sometimes we've got to be where Jesus is. And it's in that place we must have a joy that is not in birthed and founded in the moment. It's founded in eternal life. We've got to overcome our old way of thinking. I don't know if you've, if you've looked on our website to see what the church strategy is for the years ahead. You can search all day long. There is no strategy there. We don't have a strategy. We just have you guys. 
So the hope with God is that you are going to pursue God with all your heart and that you're going to love one another because the health of this church lives and breathes, lives and dies on whether you choose to love one another or not. And you can't love one another purely because you agree on things. You must love one another because God loved you first and you know God loves them. That's the core of it, church. This is what will make us great. This is what will make Noosa see that, 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 that God is a God who came to liberate them, not to persecute them. See, the world believes that God is persecuting them by, by all of these rules and regulations they, that they declare that the Scriptures are. The Scriptures are not a book of rules and regulations. The Scriptures are a book of life. And they invite us to pursue eternal things instead of earthly things. We need to purpose in our hearts to stop complaining and start learning. Complaining can get you out of something at best, but will never get you into something. If someone complains to you, what do you do? Eventually you go, right, whatever, you know. But you're not looking to put that person into something great, are you? We need a purpose in our hearts to stop looking for who's to blame and start saying, I don't know who's to blame, but from today, I will be responsible to walk us out of this place. Purpose in our hearts to take responsibility of our relationship with God, to crack the old book open, to get on your knees before God, seek His face. Most of you here have made a commitment to Jesus Christ and he's welcomed you into his family. Guess what? Your commitments become your identity. I'm a child of God. Now I forget that on a regular basis. I forget that when I get caught pursuing something in the natural. But my prayer for you this year, as for me, is that we would have fresh eyes to see the joy of our salvation, to see who we are first. The Bible doesn't say don't seek anything but the kingdom of God. The Bible says seek what? First the kingdom of God. It's not saying, you know, it doesn't just say, um, you know, don't live according to this world. You live according to the word of God. He says, no, man does not only live by bread alone. We're still present. We still live in the tension of being, of being human and, and, and engaging in a natural life and natural relationships. But it's when we purpose in our heart to first seek God. Then all those things have a chance of being influenced by our eternal identity instead of them defining our identity. See, the people who commit to living for something are the most satisfied, full living people. We have a society that's commitment phobic. We don't, the society doesn't want to commit, but here's the reality of society. Unfortunately, it ends up in an identity crisis. We're desperately trying to define ourselves. The world is desperately trying to define itself. And when you are the author and the definer of your life, you're giving too much responsibility to yourself because we have, there is one author of our faith. There is one creator of you. 
We need to allow God to define us. We need to allow our relationship with, with our Heavenly Father to be our identity first. And then we can do a bunch of things. We can build some things. We can drive some cars. We can play some tennis. We can, you know, we can cook some things. We can do all those things, but they are not our definition. They're just what we're up to today. We commit to purpose in our lives to overcome the things that hold us. Daniel was captive to the most evil king the world has ever seen, they say, Nebuchadnezzar. Not only did he survive his capture, but he became the number one influencer to that king. If you want a purpose in your heart, church, to have fresh eyes and fresh joy this year, I challenge you to plan your year accordingly. I challenge, I leave you with this challenge to what do you got to, what, what spiritual things can you add to your calendar this year? Consider these three areas spiritual community, spiritual service, and prayer. Where are they in your calendar this year? A lot of times we have community. Some, you know, they, 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 there's, there's a saying that goes around, I think I may have coined it, that. We come to church not for community. We come to church to find some people we can go and have community with somewhere else. God wants you to, 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 to put into your calendar to be part of a whole community. He doesn't want you to be part of a demographic. He doesn't want you to be in the young families or the young adults or the youth or the, or the 50 plus or the 60 plus demographic. He wants you to be part of the body of Christ. If you start a home cell in your home this year to build some community, make sure it's got a plethora of generations. Because if, if you gather only in a demographic, you have a support group, not a community. How are you going with raising your children? Yeah, they're terrible. How are you going with that? Oh, you know, we tend to, uh, tend to agree with our life stage instead of buy into the reality that the, all of the generations bring together. The Bible's constantly talking about, you know, a wise man raises an inheritance for what? For his children's children. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. We've got to think generationally, church. We've got to think, we've got to get, we need people of every generation speaking into our lives. The Bible talks about the, the grey hair of wisdom and the passion of youth. We need both of those things in our lives. Where are they present in your life spiritually? What about service? Oh, I stand on the door at church. No, where's the service? God's inviting you into a place of service spiritually that nobody knows about except you and the Lord. Who are you praying for every day that has no idea? Who are you blessing from time to time without them realising, without telling anyone? We need to... We need to Input into our calendar places of spiritual community, places of spiritual service. And then finally, prayer. How do you pray? Have you thought about how you pray? Is, is that as, you know, do you want to know more about prayer? Do you, have you, do you go on, you know, we go on a holiday to a resort. Do we go and have a, a, a prayer retreat? Gap in our lives. I challenge you, some of you need to commit to a week of prayer this year. Some of you need to take one of your weeks of, of holiday from your job and go and commit to just setting yourself aside 
to surrender to the Lord in prayer. Imagine church. Imagine if everybody in this place committed to a week of prayer every year and lived out of that space instead of prayer becoming the thing we go to when everything falls apart. Imagine if prayer was the foundation, not the troubleshooter. This is the church that God's called us to be. He's called us to be a church that's a community. He's called us to be a church that serves one another, not publicly on the corner of the street doing these things, but you know, just blessing one another. He's called us to be a house of prayer. How is your house a house of prayer? How is your life a life of prayer? Can you imagine what a blessing we would be to this region if we embedded those things in our calendars? Guess what? It's the 1st of January, 2023. 23, it's the GOAT year. Michael Jordan, greatest of all time. Might as well make it your greatest spiritual year of all time. Was that prophetic about Michael Jordan? Sorry. I invite you, church, fresh eyes. Fresh eyes into how you look at community. Fresh eyes into how you look at service. Fresh eyes in how you look at your prayer life. Because guess what? They're the tools to overcome. They're the way that we pursue God. We pursue God by loving one another. We pursue God by serving one another. We pursue God by getting on our knees and being the house of prayer that He's called us to be. That's my prayer for each of you this year. That you would see with fresh eyes. They say when someone comes to Australia from another country, They pull up in a community and they look at that community with fresh eyes. They see the opportunity. They see the threats. They see the the potential. Sometimes when we grow up in a space, we stop looking. We walk past the opportunity. We ignore the threat. We don't see the potential around us. So what we need to do is we need to position ourselves. We need to position our calendar so that we can have fresh eyes because fresh eyes aren't automatic. Sometimes there's a stain on the carpet and you've walked past it for 20 years. But when someone new comes to your home, what do you do? You put a rug over that little bit of stain so they don't see it. Sometimes the way you have fresh eyes is to to invite some fresh other eyes into your life. To broaden your community beyond your demographic. To broaden your prayer from being troubleshooting to being foundational. To broaden your service from being on roster to hearing from the Holy Spirit and saying, who can I bless in your name this week? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we come before you. We come before you repentant of how we've allowed ourselves to be defined by our yesterdays, by our successes, by our failures. And we come humbly before you now and seek first to be defined through your kingdom, by your grace. 
Lord, we, where we have laid down out of guilt or shame or whatever the joy of our salvation, Father, we ask that you would stir up the joy that only you can bring. We want to be known by our love for one another, Lord. So as a church, we agree right now to give you all the glory and the praise, to fix our eyes on you, Lord. And as we gaze upon you, you would give us the ability to have fresh eyes for the work here. May this year be a blessing to you, Father, through us in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.